Well, let me ask you a question. Have you taken the road less traveled? And does it really matter? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, hang on to your hats. Here we go. This is the 48 Days Radio Show. Each week, we take 48 minutes to dive into those real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. And you know, this is where normal, indecision, ambiguity come to die. Welcome. Here's some of the things we're going to be talking about today. How a singing resume landed Paige a cool job. Hey, I got a poem from one of our listeners, The Man I Want to Meet. You're going to enjoy that. Dan, do you ever meet with someone for a one-time boost? How can we help our 15-year-old think creatively about careers? Well, we got that and more. Got some great good news pieces I'm eager to share with you. Here's our quotation for today. Comes from Robert Frost. You'll recognize this. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now, the call to action, I'm going to come back to that poem toward the end of our time today. But my call to action is going to be, what are you doing today to make the road you're on beautiful. Maybe it doesn't matter what road you're on, as long as you're doing the right things along the way. Well, we'll unpack that. Well, here's something that I've seen more and more of that just intrigues me. And that is people who are getting tattoos, company logos as tattoos. What do you think? Would you be excited about doing that? Getting a tattoo of your company? I mean, does that guarantee your employment there? What if you do leap? What if your feelings change? Well, there's a whole lot of people that are getting tattoos. I'll tell you some of the more popular ones here. Some are just fans of the companies, but a lot of people are getting tattoos of places that they work. Now, Chuck Runyon is the founder and head dog at U.S. Gym Chain Anytime Fitness. They already have identified over 2,000 people that have that firm's logo. Of a, It's a running man. It's kind of a cool logo. So people have variations of that tattooed on their bodies. Started off with a dare and kind of went from there, but over 2,000 people. Now, let me tell you some others here that people have that real easy to find out there. You can do a quick search. It's hilarious, some of the tattoos that people have. KFC is a big one. Kentucky Fried Chicken, yeah, there's a whole lot of people with that as a tattoo. Apple, not surprising there. There are people that have a picture of their girlfriend with Apple where the heart should be. Walmart, yes, Walmart. There's a whole lot of people that have Walmart tattooed on them. McDonald's, thousands and thousands of people have McDonald's logo tattooed on them. Coca-Cola is a big one. WordPress, Nike, Google. Well, you want to know the most popular corporate tattoo of all times harley davidson probably no surprise people who are fanatics about harley tend to be so for life 
So it's not a matter of uh, risking losing your job there. But what really intrigues me about this whole concept are people who are getting tattoos of the company that they work for currently. Wow, when we recognize the average job is about 3.2 years in length, well, you could have a whole a series of tattoos based on the 14 to 16 different places that you worked. Not sure I would want to do that or recommend it. Hey, let me know what you think on that. Would you get a tattoo of the company you're working for currently? Well, here's a cool story. I got some pieces that are that are kind of cool, good news, but also just uh, related to the workplace. There's a gal who did a singing resume. This is real reason. I mean, this is in the last two weeks. Paige, what's Paige's last name? Paige Kenma, Kimma, Kimna, graduate, recent graduate, University of Denver. She's got a bachelor's degree in environmental science at a 3.6 GPA. So nothing real outstanding there. You know, ordinary university, ordinary degree, ordinary GPA. But she had been on 14 different job application, job interviews, no response at all. And she thought she's got to do something. She's 24 years old, thought she's got to do something to liven things up. So she started, she did a video and she starts out, I'm going to play a little clip of it for you. You'll get an idea real quick of why this is so stellar and why I got her the results that it did. She says resumes can be remarkably dull, but I am not. So let me liven things up a little bit. So she starts talking about, you know, interviews, are usually boring, you know, resumes are boring, but uh, she's going to take charge and this is going to be something different. Now I'll tell you, this video was viewed over 800,000 times. She put it up on LinkedIn just as part of her presentation and it went viral over 800,000 times and she has gotten well i'm gonna let you, let you listen to how she put together her resume now it's it's a little more than three minutes long i'm not going to play that much i'm going to play a minute and a half till she gets to one of the recurring refrains kind of going into the chorus on it but let me just give you a, a tidbit here just a touch of what Paige did to be creative in her job search i'm going to give you some more ideas about things you can do hi my name is Paige. i just want to thank you so much for considering me for this interview. But I'm gonna take the reins on this one because interviews are boring and resumes are boring and this is fun, even though my resume is super impressive. It's not that impressive. But I have this crazy idea. Done trying. 
succeed So what are you waiting for? Hire me All right, I'm going to cut it off right there. What are you waiting for? Hire me. I mean, is that cool? Now, a lot of you are going to listen to that and you're going to think, well, that's nothing outstanding in terms of musical ability or piano playing or whatever. Well, it's not. That's the point. But she did it. And a whole lot of other people did not. She did that, put it up 800,000 views later. Now, here's some of the things that's happened. I mean, she's been interviewed by all kinds of different magazines. She was a guest on the Pickler and Ben show. She was featured in a German magazine and she had multiple job offers. She took a job with Zoom. I mean, Zoom is what I use for all my uh, coaching sessions, for our mastermind conference calls, things like that. She's got a job at Zoom Video Communications, very up and coming company. And she now gets paid to create commercial jingles and video content. Again, she had a degree in environmental sciences. But here's where she landed because she was creative in how she approached the job search. Now, I've seen this is a time to be creative, guys. I mean, the irony is unemployment is so low. I mean, companies are so desperate to hire people. They're making poor hiring decisions. So there's that in effect, but that's okay. You still want to stand out. You want to be able to get the really primo job like Paige did here. And to do that, do something different. Do something gets people's attention. If you're a graphic designer and your resume looks like the same resume for somebody getting an accounting position, it's just Times Roman black ink on a white page. Golly, you need to rethink what you're doing. Now, certainly this is tied to what it is you're trying to accomplish and the kind of position you're looking for. But yeah, I've, I've seen resumes. Uh, one of our listeners uh, had a resume on a bag of coffee that opened doors for him. He sent a bag of coffee and his resume was printed on the bag of coffee. Just that little thing. I mean, uh, somebody else did a, on the back of a T-shirt. Um, you've heard me talk about a guy who wrapped his around an ear of corn and then did take off on that. Um, we had somebody that did it as a wanted poster. Uh, somebody rented a billboard right outside the company they wanted to work for. That's a pretty bold, audacious move. And it worked. I mean, these things work. We walked the streets wearing a sandwich board. We were in New York one time and saw a very professional looking gentleman who had a sandwich board, which is credentials on either side. Well, with thousands of people streaming by, I'm pretty confident that's going to open doors of opportunity for him. I mean, somebody sent a resume in a boot, you know, with a note, I just want to get a foot in the door. Uh, a young guy created a resume all. He, it's consisted of, he would send beer that he had brewed himself to his target companies. And just a note that that's one of his hobbies. You know, companies are interested in things like that. I mean, there are companies out there like Google who, if they even look at a resume, which a lot of places aren't even interested in seeing at this point, but if they do, they may start at the bottom where they see that you played in a rock band while you were going through college or you had a, your own lawn mowing service as a way to generate income. They may be more interested in that in terms of seeing you as a fit for their culture than the degrees that you have. Well, a gal named Katie uh, had eight unique cupcakes cakes made that were decorated with an edible QR code. The QR code on the cupcake linked to her online resume 
and explain why she would be the perfect candidate. Um, I saw somebody who had their resume printed on a chocolate bar. Not that complicated to do. Joanne came home recently from New York City. It went up there with her sister and a couple other gals just for a, a girl trip to see some shows and take in the sights. And she came back with a jar full of M&Ms that had 48 days printed on them. I thought, wow, that's cool. I mean, do I, I get a lot of things that show up in the office, but to have M&Ms that are personally imprinted with 48 days on them, yeah, that gets my attention. I love that stuff. Um, there's a candidate showed up in a suit with a red t-shirt underneath so you could see the t-shirt, you know, kind of uh, muted because of the coat that he has on, but you're going to ask him what it says. And he opens it up and says, hire me. I work hard. And of course, there's been countless people who have sent their resume in a bottle, message in a bottle. Well, those are the kind of things that you can do in today's environment, the kind of things you want to do. Make yourself stand out, be different, be noticeable, be remarkable. Remarkable means why would somebody remark about you? So do something that's going to make people talk and you'll be surprised how new doors will open up. Well, here's some good news items. Instead of firing illiterate employees, company teaches them how to read. Now, this is in Brazil, but a company was uh, having some issues. They wanted their janitorial team to kind of keep track of things, to write down how many of this, how many of that, and how many were missing and so on. And they realized they were getting really poor reports. And they figured out it wasn't because the janitorial staff was being disobedient. It was because most of them were illiterate. They couldn't read. So instead of requesting new staff to get the job done, the company decided to help them out. So they set up a classroom and they had their people come in every Tuesday and Thursday. The janitorial team would have a longer lunch break so they could take literacy lessons. Five months later, the best students are already writing letters and every single person can read simple text. I mean, what a cool thing to do for a the people that are working for you rather than just booting them out the door. No, bring them up to speed by giving them a new opportunity. Love that kind of story. Here's one hundreds of people bring backpacks instead of flowers to women's funeral. In accordance with this lady's final wish, there were backpacks lining the pews at her funeral instead of flowers. Tammy Waddell passed away earlier this month at the age of 59 from a prolonged in illness in Georgia. But before she died, she asked for people to bring backpacks filled with school supplies to her funeral. Um, this lady worked as a paraprofessional teacher at several schools in the Forsyth County School District. Uh, at one point, she was recognized as Teacher of the Year. So when she utilized her funeral as a means of giving back to her students one last time, no one was surprised by the compassionate gesture. Now, I love that. Rather than just one more thing of flowers you're going to throw out, she asked, that they bring a backpack full of school supplies. And there's a picture and the church is lined with backpacks and school supplies. I mean, I do that. I mean, sometimes I wonder, why would you get flowers? I mean, the person's not even going to notice them. They're meaningless. They get thrown out. You know, there's got to be a better way to memorialize somebody. Um, something that uh, we've been confronted with. I mean, it's a common occurrence these days where, uh, there are funerals to go to, people who, for whatever reason, are no longer with us. But uh, how we memorialize those people, you know, think it through. Decide what you'd want to do if tomorrow people were coming to your memorial service. What do you want them to do that would be different even there? We just talked about making a resume different. Golly, I want to go out 
with a different kind of a different kind of service as well than what most people experience. Here's a note now, a reader, uh, well, listener, Brian sent in this to us. Thanks, Brian. Alabama man stops in Utah on his mission to make a difference one lawn at a time. So there's an Alabama man. He's 28 years old. His name is Rodney Smith, Jr. He wants to give free lawn care to those who are elderly, single mothers, have disabilities, or are veterans. So he started a 50 states, 50 lawns project. Monday, this last Monday, Utah became the 34th state on his list. He says, I do it because I believe it's my purpose. Before this started, I had a one-on-one conversation with God and asked him to use me as his vessel, and he didn't give me an answer that day. Not a week later, not a month later, not even a year later. It came the day I came across an elderly man outside mowing his lawn, and he looked like he was struggling. So I pulled over, stopped, and helped him out. That's the night I decided to start mowing free lawns. Now, what he's doing, he's doing this just not, not, not just for attention, but to inspire other people to do the same. I mean, think about that. What if you had, we're right here in the middle of summer. What if there were a teenager who's sitting around playing video games and was challenged or inspired by this story to go out and mow 50 yards of people in the community who are elderly? I mean, there's so many people. You know, somebody struggling with diabetes or arthritis or a widower or a widow, you know, or, or veteran or somebody's just retired and having a hard time. I mean, those are the kind of things. Great example from Rodney. He says his last stop, he's going to have to fly to Alaska and Hawaii, but he's going to do that <laughs> just to make sure that he hits all 50 states. Great story. Now, Greg Gilbert Longtime 48 Days member, contributor, participant, great guy, uh, Greg Gilbert coaching, uh, battling average until you have some margin is his kind of tagline. But he sent a poem in. He sent last week something that I read, one of the quotations that I read um, inspired him. And uh, it reminded him of a poem that he recently wrote titled, The Man I Want to Meet. Now check this out as we're talking about how to become more, how to move up, how to become more of the person you want to be. Here's Greg Gilbert's poem, The Man I Want to Meet. There's a man I want to meet, but I'm not ready yet. There's health, wealth, and wisdom still there for me to get. I must be in a hurry, my time I cannot take, judging by the flame of the candles on my cake. The man I want to meet, I must remove the danger that when he looks at me, he doesn't see a stranger. You see, this man I want to meet is the man I could have been. And when he looks at who I've become, I hope he sees his twin. Wow. Great poem, Greg. Thanks for sending that in. The man I want to meet is the man I could have been. Wow. We're all reminded of that. Um, The poem I'm going to come back to, the Robert Frost poem on the road, Not Taken, reminds us of that. I'm going to unpack that a little bit here in just a little bit as well. Hey, let me just insert this here just real quick while we're kind of taking a transition to go to some questions here. These are questions from you, the listeners. I love going through your questions, comments, good news stories you send in, your own success stories. Keep those coming in. Just send those in to askdan at 48days.com. Easiest way to get them to me, again, just askdan at 48days.com. Well, this comes from Sabra. Now, this is pretty indicative of a lot of the questions that I get. 
see if you can kind of find uh, the unique slant in this that may be part of Sabra's challenge. Dan, I was wondering if you ever meet with people on a one-time basis just to help them get focused or on a direct path to somewhere. I can't afford a coach. That'd be great, but I'm stuck in nowhere jobs that don't pay enough, have terrible hours, and I'm not thrilled with. I'm in that terrible and exhausting position of just simply finding an additional job to make ends meet. I've read 48 days, but I'm overwhelmed with trying to figure out who I am or what I really, truly want to do. I'm so exhausted with these jobs that when I do sit down at the computer to job search or interest search, I feel defeated and give up. I don't have any friends. I'm trying to do this by myself. I guess I've resigned myself to go back to a teaching job in the fall. Well, she says even that would be tolerable if she had something to look forward to beyond that. I'm stuck in a downward spiral. I don't want to be miserable for the rest of my life. So back to my question. Do you ever meet for a one-time boost? After that, I know it would be up to me, but at least I might have some hope. Now, I sent a note back to Sabra immediately. I said, I understand your frustration. And I said, I'm pretty accessible in a lot of ways through our coaching mastery program, our events, my speaking appearances, the multiple groups I'm part of. And while I'm not available for individual coaching, we have approximately 55 certified 48 days coaches who are but they're not free either. The most massive value I can offer is our 48 days Eagles community. There are people in there who will look at your resume, help with the job search, share ideas and resources and provide hope and encouragement. That all comes for $36 a month. Is that something you would be open to? She replied back. Thank you for getting back to me. I'll have to seek another Avenue. I just don't have $36 a month right now. I think all the stuff available through the 48 Days Eagles community is great. But since I don't have any specific direction right now, you know, I'm not sure if that's the best investment. I'll keep watching the free stuff when I can and go from there. Well, I went back to her again. I said, Sabra, there are tons of free resources. And she had indicated that she's here in the Nashville area. Brentwood United Methodist Church has an ongoing Monday night career transition program with competent coaches ready to serve. No charge. The Nashville Career Center has state-of-the-art resources and staff. Just reach out and take advantage. I mean, don't stay stuck. But here's where I cringe when I get these, and we get these every day. Somebody's stuck. Now, there, there are a couple things in here that, you know, make me cringe. I don't have any friends. Wow. I mean, that, is, that, is that a job-related issue? Is that a career issue? Uh, there seems to be some personal things here that contribute to feeling alone and stuck. If you don't have any friends, be a friend to somebody else. You'll be amazed how that starts opening doors of opportunities. But when it comes right down to it, and this lady's looking for me to spend time with her to help break this cycle downward spiral of misery that she's in. For one thing, I mean, what, what, what could I realistically do in one session? Now, I, I love what I do, and I'm a big believer in, in what I do in the coaching process. And I've had a lot of brief conversations that have seemed to kind of trigger things in people, and I'm grateful for that, and uh, it's very rewarding. But when I suggest something, 
that is $36 a month and a person says, no, I can't afford that. It lets me know a lot of why they're stuck. Now, I don't care if it's being a part of the 48 Days Eagles community or if it's something totally different. I mean, buy what colors your parachute. I mean, get an online course through Udemy or Creative Live. You know, this $36. I mean, I, I don't care what it is, but if you are not investing 3% of your income and 3% of your time in making your life better, how do you really expect anything to change? When I talk about 3% of your income, if somebody's making $12 an hour, $12 an hour, that means they're going to have $58 a month to spend on personal improvement. And again, I'm serious about this. If you're not investing that amount of your income, no matter what it is, if you're making $10 an hour or if you're making $200,000 a year, you need to be in, investing 3 to 5% back in your personal growth. Now, the interesting thing about when I hear people that they can't afford $36 a month or they can't afford a $20 book or an $8 audio that has a potential to change their life, then I see them go to the mall and buy a $136 handbag and they have cable service that's $85 a month and they, you know, go out to eat and blow $25. They're making decisions. It's never a matter of them not having the money. It's a matter of priorities. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of somehow seeing those other temporary things as a better investment. I mean, it blows my mind. Now I feel for somebody like this, but am I going to just cave and say, well, whatever, you know, let's get together and waste my time. Nah, not going to happen. There has to be some indication that a person is willing to participate in a reasonable way in this process. If they are, then the opportunities for success, it can be that illiterate person that is sweeping the floor. If that person is motivated and open to accepting an idea and investing their time, at least, if not money, their time in the process, wow, there's all kinds of possibilities that can come out of that. Well, let me go on here. Dan, we homeschool our kids, and we have a son who's soon to be 15 years old. He's not sure what he wants to do yet for a career. He's strongly considering the Army. I would like to get him started reading or listening to motivational books, lessons, and teachings. Can you recommend some material? I want him to think out of the box, and I don't feel like he has to do the 9-to-5 grind. My desire for my kids to shoot for more in their career, my desire is for my kids to shoot for more in their career and to think out of the box. Well, I mean, you're, you're right on track. And believe me, 15 is uh, not too early. I mean, I would hope that if you're homeschooling, you've been planting the seeds for creative thinking for many years now. I just got a photo recently of a group. There's 123 homeschoolers in Idaho who used 48 Days to the Work You Love as their textbook. So I got a picture of them. It's really cool. And then I did a Facebook Live with them, and they asked the most insightful questions. They're just brilliant because of the basis for critical thinking, problem solving that they're getting 
in being homeschooled. So I'm delighted that, and certainly, you know, 48 Days to the Work You Love is being used by a lot of homeschooling people to help kids more realistically approach the workplace, to understand themselves and to understand the value that they bring and to understand the broad spectrum of work models that are available. Well, you ask for reading or reading motivational books, you know I've got some suggestions for that. I've got that list that I really want my grandkids to read by the time they're 13. And we provide incentives, but we want them to read these books. And I certainly would suggest these for your son as well. So a lot of you listeners are going to be familiar with these because I use this list of five in a broad array of applications. I think it can absolutely transform somebody's life, open their eyes to things that they previously have not seen. Number one, how to win friends and influence people. The old classic by Dale Carnegie. Absolute must read for any teenager. See you at the top. Zig Ziglar. Those iconic stories that he's got in there, cooked in the squat, stinking thinking, check up from the neck up, the story of the pump. Wow, one of the reasons I've got a pump right on a little washstand outside my office door here is because of Zig's story of the pump, also because I grew up in a farm where we really had a pump like that. But the concept being, you start pumping, don't give up. Don't just say, ah, this is too hard. Don't give up. You don't know if the water's still 200 feet down or 20 feet down. It's only when the water starts flowing that you back off in the pressure and then you can enjoy that easy, clean flow, pure, cool water that comes out. All those stories are in See You at the Top. We use that as part of homeschooling curriculum for my own kids when they were growing up. That was, um, I think, Zig's first book. Been been around a very long time. You know, that's the thing about uh, success principles. They're timeless. I had somebody recently question a book that we sent as part of our coaching mastery curriculum because it had been, it was written 15 years ago. Like, whoa, we use books in there. I mean, I use Think and Grow Rich as a foundational kind of book that was written in 1937. Uh, Time, uh, success principles don't expire. Now, if we're looking at you know, marketing tactics to get in the workplace today. Sure, some of those things have changed, but I'm talking about personal formation here. And that's what you want for your 15-year-old. Personal formation, not just techniques about how to go get a job or what career to go out and try. No, it's how do you have the kind of personal development that makes you a candidate to then withstand the inevitable challenges that are going to come along, the relentless changes you're going to be confronted with. I mean, 15 years old, while when we talk about careers to approach, I mean, there are careers we're going to have five years from now that we don't even know about, that we can't even describe at this point. He can start a career. He could go to college and graduate with a degree that's going to be obsolete three years later. I mean, so we can't tie our success to the right career choice, No, we tie it to being the right kind of person. More on that in a minute. Third book I recommend is Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, written a long time ago. The Magic of Thinking Big. I love that little book. David Schwartz, The Magic of Thinking Big. In there, there's principles like walk 25% faster than you normally would. I love to watch people walk because you can tell a lot about a person by just simply watching them walk had a neighbor lady that was four doors up from me, came down the other day 
uh, not somebody I know well. They stay pretty isolated in their house. They're, um, well, I thought, I thought they were they were quite old. You don't see them outside of the house much, but she came over trying to find where a stray dog belonged and uh, got out and kind of shoveled up to my door and knocked. I went out. I saw her through the window. I went out so she wouldn't have to walk any farther. And she commented how beautiful my place looks back here and then started talking about the beautiful flowers and talked about when she was young, she really enjoyed, you know, doing flowers, you know, reading thought but but of course you know at 72 years old she's unable to do anything like that a lot I, oh my gosh now i wasn't heartless enough to tell her how old i am personally but um 72 years old and she can hardly get around well there's certainly a lot of reasons for that but uh, i intend to be very active in some of the principles in books like the magic of thinking big i think are keeping me young and uh there's a lot of evidence of that but Walk 25% faster, smile big. I mean, those, remember somebody's name. I mean, those are some of the things that uh, set you apart from other people. And again, open doors of opportunity. And number five to round out that little list is Acres of Diamonds. Acres of Diamonds, that's a theme of our cruise coming up on April, April 27th of next year. Where we'll be leaving from Miami and going down to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then down to St. Thomas and Virgin Islands, back up to Dominican Republic, then over to Nassau and the Bahamas. going to be a great week. Acres of Diamonds, the entire theme being from that book, discovering the treasure right under your own two feet, right in your own backyard. Discovering the treasure, the principles that are there. Sometimes we think it, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. We're looking in some other place rather than acknowledging where we are and the opportunities that we have right where we are. So I would do that. I mean, certainly getting around other homeschoolers, other kids his age who are, and not only kids his age, but also people who are a little farther down the path, who are successful, people who he admires, who he sees them as successful, having be able to pick their brains, spend time with those people, take them to lunch. I mean, those are certainly the kind of things that I was doing at 15 years old that served me well. But thanks for your question. I appreciate that. There's so many ways that we can inspire our kids. I mean, one of the biggest opportunities and responsibilities that I feel is as a papa, as a daddy first, and then as a papa, a grandpa. But wow, I mean, those children and grandchildren. I mean, clients will come and go and there's been a lot of those and for which I'm grateful, but my own kids and grandkids. Yeah. I see that as a really big opportunity and responsibility to help shape them. I'm thrilled when I see the kind of things that my grandkids are doing where I know they're getting wonderful experience and exposure to new opportunities. They're going to help frame them being able to see good choices in the years coming. Now I want to, I want to address this and I'm not sure I'll get back to questions after this. I may just end with this, but I want to go back to the poem that I used for our quotation today, where I used the last three lines that are so familiar from the road, not taken the very, very popular poem by Robert Frost. Now you're all familiar with that. We hear the last three lines, two roads diverge in the wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. Now that's been used at hundreds and hundreds of graduation ceremonies. And it's used by people who have extraordinary success as a rationale. I took the road less traveled by. 
And that's made all the difference. Now, Mark Ross, one of our 48 days certified coaches and a very a member of my mastermind, very active in the 48 days Eagles community as well, posted that this morning, posted reference to the road not taken and a little video clip where somebody kind of unpacked it and said that we often misinterpret it. There's a lot of videos out there like that. You know, I've seen lots of them over the years. It is one of my favorite poems, but we can certainly have different interpretations of it. Let me just read it. It's very short. It's four short little stanzas, and then we'll just talk about it a little bit as it relates to, did you take the road less traveled? Did you make a mistake in choosing the path that you're on? That's really the critical issue. Did you make a mistake in choosing the path you're on? Was there a better path that somehow you missed? All right, hang on to that thought. So here's the poem. Two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now we like to frame that. In having us look back at choices we made, you could have majored in this in college. You could have gone to that school. You could have married this person. You could have chosen this business to start. You could have lived in this country rather than this one. And we look at those major defining points in our lives and think, wow, I'm sure glad, you know, I made the right choice and that's made all the difference. Or it could be the other where, wow, I think I made the wrong choice. If only I had chosen differently then my life today would be different. Now, when we really look back and people who have dissected this, knowing Robert Frost, it appears he wrote this kind of as a jest because he had a friend who would walk with him and his friend would always wonder, maybe they should have taken the other path, the other trail. There might've been something particularly interesting there that they missed. He always had this sense that maybe they missed something. And Robert Frost thought it was a joke. The paths really are very much the same. When we look, when I, when I look back, well, when I look back at my own decisions, I majored in pre-med when I went to college. Went to the Ohio State University and I was going to be a doctor. Because when I grew up as a poor farm kid, there was one person who would show up at our house who just absolutely put me in awe. That was our family doctor, Dr. Hickson. God, I haven't thought of his name for years. Dr. Hickson came to me just now. He would come out there in his big, long black car. He had a suit and tie on, which was dressed different than in our family. We were Mennonites, Amish background, so we didn't have suits and ties. Those were fancy clothes. Here's a guy in a fancy car, fancy clothes. Total respect because he was so wise. He had wisdom. 
about health that we needed. We'd call him in times of trauma for our family or injury. He was the healer. I mean, everything about this guy I admired. So I decided I was going to be a doctor. So I majored in pre-med. In my junior year at Ohio State University, I'm taking physiology and anatomy. And I'm starting to get into these courses where we're dissecting animals and I'm seeing blood and guts. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. This is not something I enjoy. I don't want to do this. And I changed my major the beginning of my senior year to psychology. I said, you know, I like the idea of, of helping people, of serving people, of helping them, you know, figure out better ways of living. I don't want to do it in the physical sense. So I'll major in psychology. Now I'll have to admit as well, a lot of my motivation for choosing psychology as a major was because of personal questions that I had. It was for personal exploration, personal growth, more than it was to define a career path. That really wasn't even on my radar at that point. I was just learning. So I majored in psychology, got finished with that, and it's been a wonderful path ever since then. But however, that did not determine my career path. It really had had nothing to do with that. Now, had I majored in pre-med and going to medical school, yeah, that's a pretty narrow path that certainly would have put me on a particular course. I've never for a nanosecond regretted that I had, that I did not choose that. Trust me that there's little about that life that's appealing to me. Very little. And the path that I chose has served me very well. Could I have chosen something else? Could I have chosen environmental science like Paige? Yeah, we talked about earlier did. Sure. Could I have chosen mass communications? Sure. Could I have chosen political science? Sure. I don't think it would have had a big difference in where I am today in my life at all. I don't think there was a fork in the road where I made a critical choice that has been that important in where my life is today. I think I could have made a decision about 20 different majors, 20 different businesses that would be possible. What I needed to do was to learn how to navigate in life along the way to learn the personal principles that allow me to connect with other people well, to serve other people well. Principles, understanding principles of serving, selling, communicating. I mean, those are things we all have to do. Those are things that aren't tied to one particular career choice or business choice. No, when when I recommend a book like How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it talks about the power of remembering somebody's name and the power of listening I mean, those are personal skills that transcend anything that you're doing in business or career. Those are things that have to do with personal development. Those are important. And I want those to be part of the road that I'm on, the part of the road that my children and grandchildren are on. But those are not the kind of things that we often attach to this idea, two roads diverged in the wood and I took one less traveled by and that has, all, that has made all the difference. So the question really is, Does it really matter which road we chose early on? Or is the important thing how we are living life now? Well, you know, my belief, my my total conviction is 
The only important thing is how we're living life now. I don't think there's much you could have done when you were 18 or 23 as regards work that would have been a mistake. I tell people often, hey, do whatever you want to. I mean, you can work at Tractor Supply or be a greeter at Walmart if you want to. You're learning. You're getting experience. I mean, the big value of the first three or four jobs that people typically have is that it helps them clarify what it is they don't want to do. That has a lot of value. But that is the value. Not to refine skills that put you on a career path from which there's no escape, but rather to help you clarify the things you don't want to do. So making changes, not a big deal. I mean, make changes in your 30s and your 40s. If you can at 45, hey, then I'll sit down with you. Then if we can really clarify how God has gifted you and clarify, looking back, having the value from which to draw of your life experience up to that point, looking back and clarifying, ah, it's when you're doing this that you really come alive. It's when you're doing this that you're in the zone. It's when you're doing this that time just flies by. And so we can create a clear focus then identify now going forward what kind of work allows you to blend the best of what you know about yourself. You can go into the most productive 20 years of your life. And we see that played out again and again and again. So have you taken the road less traveled? Did you make a wrong turn? Don't get caught up in that thinking. You are where you are. There's probably a lot of reasons for you being where you are. Enjoy the path that you're on right now and live the best life. Now, if you need to redirect, you can do that. But for many of you, it's not a matter of you're totally off track. When I work with somebody who's a dentist or a physician or an attorney or a pastor, there's just a lot of reason for that. Now, can we come up with applications that mean you never again have to have your hands in somebody's mouth or stand behind a little wooden pulpit with people glaring at you on a Sunday morning? Sure, we can do that. We can come up with new applications, but there's probably a lot of reason for you having made the choices that you did. We can make dramatic changes in application of what you do daily, but it'll still validate where you've come from, what you see yourself wanting to do. Well, hey, that's the wrong music there. I want to go with this one instead of that. We want a little softer one here to take us out. Anyway, I hope this has been inspirational. I hope it's been encouraging for you. I know that some of you are 18 and some of you are 68 and some of you are 88. But wow, what an opportunity to create the life that you want. It's not a matter of having started on the right road 30 years ago. It's a matter of making decisions this morning to live the kind of life that you want to live. And aren't we fortunate to be able to make those kind of choices, to get up and list the things for which we are grateful. I've got a gratitude story I want to share with you next week that's just mind-blowing. But uh, one of the things that's been so helpful for to me and many of you is to be able to identify things for which you're grateful. I certainly have a long list, long, long list of things that I could identify. But you're not on the wrong road. You're on right where you need to be today. You can take the steering wheel, though, if you want to gently redirect and realign. Don't let yourself get caught up in thinking that you took the wrong road. No. How you're living today will make all the difference. Well, hey, thanks for being part of this 
growing community where we, in fact, know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.